powered by Transistor FM. It's the Derek Duvall Show. A show about the best of humanity with guests from all professions and walks of life. Pop culture, interesting news, and hot takes. Now, here's the number one host in your hearts, Derek Duvall. Greetings and hallucinations, and welcome to episode 13 of the Derek Duvall Show. I consulted with several superstitious-minded people I know, and they all suggest you avoid walking under a ladder while listening to this episode. If something one of my guests upsets you, refrain from breaking any mirrors. And if you happen to see any black cats outside of the one you might have in your own home, well, hell, best of luck to you in the next life, I guess. Now, if you are an astute listener of the Derek Duvall Show, you will know how passionately I love my native whales playing in the Six Nations. Now, last you checked in on me, the grandson was within our grasp. And it truly pains my ticker to inform you that in the 81st minute of extra play, France defeated Wales and denied them rugby glory. It's taken me a few days to calm down, but I must say that that was an incredible match. And let me say this with gritted teeth, congratulations to France. However, we might still be in the running for the Six Nations Championship. Um, I'll just let you Google it if you're confused up to this point. So let's all cheer for our Celtic brothers in Scotland to help them to defeat the French. We've got a fun and packed episode. First on our show, my best friend, Money Chris, is coming on to discuss the new Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. Yes, all four hours of it. Then our great friends, the creators of the hit documentary, The Last Blockbuster, have some big news to share. And after the break, our in-depth interview with Dr. Terry Lindsay, the founder of Brain Matters, and an educator and psychologist who has some interesting information to share about how your child might be coping with at-home learning. It's very enlightening, and you won't want to miss it. So let's just jump right on in it. Welcome to the show, my brother from another mother, Money Chris. How you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. Yeah? What's new in your world? I'm fully vaccinated. Mm. How did you react to that second vaccine? Um, I got tired. I got sleepy. But that was about it. My arm hurt, you know, similar to the first time. Just you got sleeping. the Pfizer, right? Yes, yeah. I'm team Pfizer. I get mine on Thursday. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, all right. So what's the big news? I mean, so it's the it's the movie that's years in the making. Fanboys finally get their way. So what do you think? I mean, just Zack Snyder's Justice League. What, what do you say to that four-hour film? Well... You can fit a lot more character development in four hours than you can in two. Yeah, you just do a lot of slow motion uh, segments. Oh man, I was gonna. Uh, I thought I was the only one that noticed that. Oh yeah, it God. was like the first. The first part of the movie's just like, oh, here comes some slow mo. Here's a little oh bit God. more slow mo. All it was missing is like a J.J. Abrams freaking solar flare. Uh, I was. Well, sitting, I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, this is this is horrible. What about some, was it John Woo, doves flying? Oh, yeah, the doves flying. Oh, yeah. That's it. Do you know what's funny? I watched Face Off, God, a couple months ago, and I had completely forgot John Woo had done that. And then the scene where he's walking through the, the funeral parlor and the doves flying, I'm like, oh, yeah, John Woo. Man, I could not get away from my movie groups was were nonstop people 
posting, hey, did you know that it's four by three? Yeah. You know, talking about watching the movie. I saw some guy, some crazy, some wacko, like destroyed his original Justice League disc <laughs> to quote, send a message for, to Warner Brothers, <laughs> to the Warner Brothers cut. And I'm like, dude, did you know that this is the Warner Brothers cut oh too? Like they own God. all this. <laughs> they own all of this, dude. It's, they basically just sold you a reboot without having to do a reboot is what they did. They just skipped the five to seven year time frame where they're going to go, hey, you know what? We should wait a little bit before we do this again. My thing was this, is I watched the original um, when it came out on Blu-ray because I had no interest in seeing it in theaters. I saw it on Blu-ray. And I mean, yeah, there were a few parts that were like, oh, you know, whatever. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not crazy about Ben Affleck's Batman. I mean, he's he is good. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just not crazy about it. The see like certain scenes that I remember from the the Joss Whedon version that were in this version. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, all right, they do it a little different here. This, but yeah, I mean, oh my god, it was just it was just a lot of unnecessary plot points that could have been shortened into a two and a half hour, maybe even two hour movie. I mean, I still don't know what anti life is. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, that was yeah. They added a, a lot of that, which you know. The basic story is exactly the same, right? So there's not really any change there. You know, I did enjoy the movie. I thought that it was probably better than the first one. So I feel like maybe they would have done better if they would have gone for a three-hour movie instead of a two-hour movie. But, you know, when I sit back and think, if I was going to cut that down to a two-hour movie, what would I what would I make it? And it would have been the original uh, two-hour movie for the most part. There's, you know, a couple of tweaks to scenes, but... I think that the first version covered it as precisely as it could be covered. There's only one little tweak that I think that the original was missing, but this, sorry, the original had that this one was missing. And it was the scene where um, Clark, uh, Superman, uh, it's obviously a human reborn, if you want to call it again, resurrected. And of course, you know, he's fighting the, the Justice League members. But the part that got edited from the original version to this version is his interaction with Batman. And in the first version, uh, sorry, in this version, Superman's just lasering him with his heat ray, right? In the version with Joss Whedon, it's like, it got dark. He grabs Batman, puts him six feet in the air, and he's like, tell him, like, I'm going to kill you. And I, I, like, it was dark. I remember watching, I was like, this is actually really good Superman right here. I would watch a whole movie of this Superman. But yeah, I, I yeah. Do you bleed? I was like, oh yeah, dude, this is dark. Last thing you want to say, last thing you want to say to the most powerful man in the universe is have him say to you, "Does the world need you?" And do you bleed? I'm like, oh dude, this is dark. Eat that, Marvel. <laughs> yeah, the scene where the Aquaman goes in the ocean and they're singing. Yeah, and then they just sit there and you know, smelling his sweater and stuff. Yeah, like that. that was it's like that was interesting. Like, I was okay. wondering, I was sitting next to Mrs. Duval when I was watching this movie and made a few observations as well. She's a massive Wonder Woman fan, so she really enjoyed seeing Wonder Woman kick ass in this movie. Uh, especially the beginning scene where she like kills like a whole bunch of people, which was really actually really cool to watch. She also really likes Ben Affleck, topless, as well as Henry Cavill, topless. In fact, at one point after the movie was over, I'm standing in the mirror of our bathroom and I'm trying to flex like Superman, and she actually, pr- she properly proportioned my body to look like Superman. And I sat there, I'm like, there's no way in hell I could ever pull this off. I look silly. The Wonder Woman scene at the beginning in the in the the bank was 
Interesting. Of course, you know, little things like if you were just going to blow up the blow everything up in the first place, why would you put a timer in your bomb? But whatever, uh, that seems a little unnecessary. You also wouldn't have to take any hostages. Uh, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff on that. The other thing that was really weird was blowing out the side of the building, you know, like that was kind of unnecessary. I, I just thought that was kind of weird because it's will, just like she kind of half blew it up herself. But overall, yeah, I mean, the, uh, 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, is it, I mean, would you watch it again? I would probably watch a different aspect ratio. Um, <laughs> not to hate the aspect ratio, but just it would make it a little bit different of a movie. With your, with your projector and my projector, man, I thought for sure there was something wrong. Like I'd hit a wrong button. <laughs> no, that's the way. So, you know, everybody's like, that's the way it's meant to be seen. It's like, well, that's how he shot it. And that might be how he was expecting, you know, to get into IMAX screens at a certain aspect ratio. But if he's not shooting that movie to be released on normal theaters, then there's something wrong. So my take on it is, is that there's going to be scenes that are going to look better in one aspect ratio, and there's going to be scenes that work better in another aspect ratio. Did you see the thing they're talking about? He has a uh, black and white version ready to go. I'm like, no, please. They did that with I mean, um, mine as well. They did that with Logan. Not? Yeah, I never watched that one. Yeah, it's a, it's you know, it'd be a different thing. But yeah, they're gonna have a new Joker. Uh, like, oh, we got a new Joker scene for. It's just. Uh, oh, that. Oh God, it was horrible. And you know me, I love the character of the Joker. I sat there and I'm like, what the hell is this crap? It, so, was, it was at ter- least it was closer to the Joker no, than, no. than uh, the you know the the previous. I guess Leto, but no. So one of the selling points that they're going to try to throw in with that black and white version, if they release it, is that there's another Joker scene. There's going to swap out the Joker scenes or something. There's an alternate Joker. Derek Duvall fans, you can't see me right now, but my right eye is actually twitching. That's <laughs> it's that bad. That's the thing. I, I, uh, my biggest complaint with Warner Brothers, with DC, is that they, with the exception of this new movie that's coming out with um, Robert Pattinson, no Batman movie prior to this has ever explored the rogues gallery. Batman has the greatest arch rivals, like the greatest rogues gallery that you could imagine. And very, very few of them ever see the light of day on the big screen. I mean, we've had how many Joker movies now? We've, we've, I've had one Riddler movie, except for I think this new one is a Riddler movie. When, when are we going to get the Mad Hatter or another, you know, Mr. Freeze or a Catwoman or, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, that's my biggest complaint with DC. They've, they just don't explore the rogues gallery. Yeah. They've, they've gone through and they've, they've done a good, they've done the, the campy, Super. they've done the, the campy versions of all those, yeah. but they haven't done like the, Mm-hmm. Hey everybody! Chill. I'm like, oh my god, it's horrible. It, yeah, I mean, it's, so it, bad. it's more, you know, it's more mm-hmm. comic booky. You know, it's not. I would love to see thing. Brian Cranston play Mister Freeze. That's like my dream casting right there. You're damn right. You're damn right. Oh, dude, that, yeah, even better. Yeah, I would love to. See, I think he would be born to play Victor Freeze. <laughs> say, so. say my name. <laughs> <laughs> Victor Freeze. You're damn right. I'm All the right. one who freezes. <laughs> Sorry. 
All right, brother. Well, on that note, I'm going to part ways with you. And, uh, dude, I get my vaccine on Thursday. I will see you in two weeks, my friend. I'll see you then. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. All right. Thank you, Money, for coming by. It's always such a great time when he's here. Trust me, that man makes me laugh in ways that not many people on this earth can do. Believe me, I wish all of you could meet him at least once in your life. We all could use a friend like him. Now, now, next on our show, I want to kick it back to an earlier episode when we had the creators of the fantastic documentary, The Last Blockbuster. They were fantastic, and I want to welcome them back. Here we go. All right. Welcome to the show, our old friends, Taylor Morton, Zeke Cam. How are you two? Doing great. Thanks for having us on again. And a pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. It was um, a bit surreal. We've, we've gone on a few months since we last talked, and uh, uh, I think you guys have had success. I, my show has been growing. It's, it's been a, a win-win for both of us. Nice. Your, your uh, episode is actually one of the highest rated episodes I've ever done, believe it or not. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so obviously we want to check in the big news. You guys are going to Netflix. Yeah. How did that come yeah. about? We... Uh, our distributor 1091 showed it to them and they were like, Oh, we want to, but we, you know, I don't know. And then calling back again. How about now? Oh, I can't, I had, I keep having dreams about your movie. And next thing you know, we're on. <laughs> yeah. Clearly somebody at Netflix has a pretty good sense of humor about the irony of it all. Oh, I know that yeah. it's, that's when we first saw it it was on uh, obviously in twitter i saw it announced and uh, everybody was just like the the irony is just poetic at this point uh it's like we, we we couldn't tell if netflix was just taking the piss or what but we everybody was like this is brilliant my my favorite uh thing i've seen anyone write so far about it is i might have it slightly off but it was something like it it's like if john wilkes booth was in a play about lincoln's assassination that's <laughs> yeah that's great i like that but a yeah, lot of people uh, are comparing it to they're comparing it to oj simpson's book this is netflix's if i did it if i did it that's crazy <laughs> so uh how how are the cast of the crew are they all doing all right yeah right i think everybody's doing great what was there have you told yeah. them about netflix are they excited i i think it's hard to avoid the news at this point um, yeah. everybody's heard, but I know Sandy and the people at the store are really, really excited about it because, you know, it's a, a big deal for them. It really helps them get the word out about the store and, and all, all publicity is good for them at this point. I, I will tell you, uh, I'll tell you a funny, um, little bit about me is I remember I told you I, I, when I was younger, I worked at a blockbuster video. Well, my right. wife was so taken by your documentary and of course then by the episode that you guys taped with me that for Christmas, my wife does the 12 days of Christmas, like every day, a different present coinciding <laughs> with the date of the uh, date leading up to the to Christmas. She bought me a blockbuster t-shirt from the store <laughs> and surprised me with it. Uh, be kind, rewind. And I, I was so moved by it. And then my, um, and then I also got a sticker, um, which is on the back of my, uh, Mac, which I'm currently using right now. And I, I was just blown away. I'm like, this was a great present. My, I was like, thank you so much. And she, I was so moved by it. And uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah. 
if I if I don't show my face online, I, I would have loved to have shown people the T-shirt. But uh, yeah, it, was, <laughs> it, it really was. Also, I was like one of the one of the most genuinely nice gifts my wife's ever given me. Oh, that's nice, so and it was clean. touched physically touched by a kid in a blockbuster shirt who put it in the box. Yeah, it's better than a yep. you know better than a sweatshop. So you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, other than that, I mean, your uh, show is it? I mean, what all the reviews? Have you guys got pretty much good positive feedback? Yeah, except for the oh, yeah. reviewers that don't give anyone positive feedback. Mm. Yeah, everybody <laughs> else has liked it. <laughs> so, well, let's talk future. You guys got any big plans for another documentary or? No. Uh, yeah, when Netflix goes out of business. <laughs> right. <I> think, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're just, you know, the pandemic hit uh, our us, our families, and our careers pretty hard. And we're just... I think both looking forward to maybe doing some traveling. We're nominated yeah. for a, uh, I forget what the award's called. What do they call that award that, that they're doing at the drive-in? Uh, the Film Thread Awards. That's called Award This. It's like the award indie film this. Oscars. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. And I've never uh, yeah, heard of that. It's pretty cool. They're having a red carpet and drive-in and everything. But unfortunately, we would have to fly and we're not vaccinated. So, uh, <laughs> but we're very much looking yeah. forward to traveling as soon as that's safe mm -hmm. to do. That's awesome. Guys. I, I honestly, I, I've, I've watched the, I've watched it. It's brilliant. Like I said, I, you guys came up with a really niche idea that I think is just phenomenal. And like I told you before in the last oh, interview, you touched on so much nostalgia for a very good portion of those aged from 28 to 45. So yeah, I, I like you said, you guys you guys put magic in a in a bottle. You really did. Lightning in a oh, bottle for that question. Thanks. Thank man. you so much. All right. Well, we right. want to let people know that that uh, even if they're watching it on Netflix, if they want to help out the store, uh, if they want a piece of history, they can buy the DVD Blu-ray of our movie from the store, from the actual store. And uh, they can hold it in their hands and smell it. You hear that click and everything. That's, Tails, yeah. do you remember? I can't remember the what's what's the Blockbuster store's website. Uh, it's bendblockbuster.com. Bendblockbuster.com. Outstanding. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming thank on you, and, and checking and just checking in with us. I I can't wait uh, to see it on Netflix. Um, I think it's just just poetry that you guys that that's happened. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. On that note, we're going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break. We're going to spotlight some awesome friends of the Dark Duval show. A little ad, so just bear with me. And then we'll be right back with an interview with Dr. Terry Lindsay. Be right back. Hey, everyone. I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And we do a podcast about life, love, and hot topics. We're family friendly. Yeah, well, mostly. And you can catch us every week. So subscribe to The Chris and Christine Show on your favorite streaming service. And buckle up, Buttercup, because you're in for some fun. Some fun? Oh, yeah. That sounds fantastic. 
Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add the Derek Duvall Show in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of your application. Are you tired of seeing the latest social media trends and fearing the worst? Does the daily news bring you down? Are you looking for something new and fun to listen to? Well, well that's, that's where, where we, we come, come in. in. Hi. Hi. It's Frankie. And Garrett. And we host The Ever-Trending Story, a weekly podcast where we present a fictional story utilizing the hottest happenings in the world and bring it straight to your earbuds. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Just go to anchor.fm slash evertrendingpod and subscribe today. Welcome back to the Derek Duvall Show. See, ads aren't bad. I mean, I love Podgo. You really should sign up. Trust me. It's a little bit of work, but trust me, the financial reward is worth it, especially when you see that reward in your bank account. Believe me, Podgo is worth it, and it's changed the way that I do my show. All right, did you refresh that drink? Are you got a nice little good stretch going there? Got to do some good deep breathing? Excellent. All right, we're going to go ahead now and introduce our next guest. All the way from California, Dr. Terry Lindsay, the founder of Brain Matters. And she's here to talk to you today about how your child might be coping with at-home learning. <laughs> Dr. Lindsay, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. I start off my show with the same question that I ask all of my guests during these trying times. How has the COVID world been treating you? Well, I, I have to tell you, I'm a, an extreme introvert, so I think I've been practicing for this all my life. Mm. I'm, I'm actually thriving in an environment where I'm working from home and <laughs> not out and about. But I, I can tell you that it, it's made me a lot more appreciative of um, my friends and family and music and movies and you know restaurants and those kinds of things. So I think I'm, I think I'm settling in at a, a level of level of gratitude for sure. You you mentioned um, TV and movies. Have you been binge watching anything during your uh, time at home? Oh, anything on Netflix. I've just uh, my friends and I we uh, talk back and forth and and you know exchange what we've seen but anything on netflix i'm i'm definitely there (laughs) (laughs) so let's start with the beginning uh at what point did you decide that you wanted to pursue a career in education well it's interesting because i uh i grew up in oklahoma and i grew up uh playing basketball and in oklahoma as you probably know basketball is only second to football women's basketball so Mm. it's really a big there and i wanted to from my earliest years i wanted to play college basketball and i wanted to grow up and coach and i knew that in order to coach i would need to teach and so I would say, you know, from my earliest years, and then my grandmother was an English teacher as well. I knew early on that I wanted to go in education into it. I just didn't know how I wanted. With your education, you took it a step further with time spent at Harvard and U.S. Berkeley studying brain function. 
Uh, I read an article in the Scientific American that the idea of humans using only 10% of their brain was a complete myth. What about the human brain did you find so interesting and fascinating? It, when I was growing up playing basketball, what I learned, I grew up playing um, for people like, you know, going to camps with Bobby Knight and, and, and Karen Knight, his wife, who was a coach there in Kingfisher. And they were stressing fundamentals, fundamentals, be a student of the game, right? Those fundamental skills are going to take you where you need to go. Well, what was interesting about studying the brain is that there are fundamental skills for learning, just like there are fundamental skills for basketball. So in basketball, it might be uh, dribbling, a set shot, a jump shot. You know, those fundamental skills have to be in place for you to be successful. Well, in learning, you have to have visual processing speed. You have to have attention, which is the secret sauce for learning. You have to have good executive functioning skills, which are those frontal lobe skills that help you plan ahead and things like that. So if, if even one of those fundamental skills isn't working optimally in your brain, then you're going to struggle and have to compensate for that. And so that was what was fascinating to me in that muscles and brains train the same. And I thought, gosh, I could just take what I learned in basketball. I could go from being a basketball head coach to just a, a regular head coach, right? And, and so that was fascinating to me. What inspired you to found Brain Matters? Well, I was, I'm a licensed educational psychologist, so I, I do testing for kids. I, I do IQ testing, social-emotional testing, all kinds of testing to help parents understand or get a baseline of where their child is, right? And so every time I would do this testing, I would say, well, here's where they are, and I didn't have any way to help them improve or any intervention. You know, and I kept, I kept searching, are there any clinical, you know, any interventions that have had clinical trials that, you know, are out there that speed up processing speed and, and increase attention and those kinds of things. And, and so I, I didn't have any, anything to, to help them. And so when I was at Kate School in Santa Barbara, they sent me to Harvard and to Berkeley and Stanford and all these places to reach out and gather the new brain research. And when I did that, I realized I had all this magic right here in my hands and, and no one was doing anything with it. And so that, that's what got me going. And then we did, uh, we piloted there at Kate. And then uh, I had the University of Reno, Nevada, their medical school came in and did the clinical trials and they were fabulous. And then it just kind of took off from there. This brings me to my next point. So with the public health crisis being what it is, and the vast majority of young people having to do learning virtually in the safety of their homes, you have found there to be a critical problem with this practice. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I think we've known for some time that the screen time, too much screen time impacts anyone, right? It's our kids, us, all of us. Um, when I'm testing kids, what I've seen this year, because I've continued to test kids through the through COVID, and what I've seen is that we a lot of the kids have slower visual processing speed, and what that means is uh, they're probably going to be reading slower. They're going to be able to, uh, you know, copying from the board is going to be harder. Any kind of visual 
stimulation that it, I'm seeing that that's slower. I'm seeing that their attention, you know, you can tell that they've been multitasking or on Zoom and, you know, doing something else while they're on Zoom. All of those things besides executive functioning, which is that frontal lobe, we haven't been, they haven't been planning ahead or time management, all of those kinds of things. I'm seeing that um, students are struggling in these areas. And a lot of this is because what you practice is what you hardwire. And we have, our kids haven't been practicing the things that keep processing speed optimal or attention optimal, which is that face-to-face, hands-on kind of learning. And so this is, you know, this has been a trying time, I think, for for our students uh, as far as brain health goes. How can a parent tell if their child's visual processing speed is deteriorating? Well, uh, if they don't want to read, if they don't want to read for any kind of pleasure, or if they just have to make them read, that's a big clue. Sometimes your child will tell you, you know, sometimes they'll say, I feel like I can't, I feel like I can't focus for very long, you know, and there's two kinds of attention, right? There's visual attention. Well, actually, there's more than two, but but there's visual attention and then there's auditory attention. And so a lot of times when students are struggling, they don't know what the problem is. They don't know if it's when I try to pay attention visually, can I? Uh, I can't pay attention very long, or when I try to pay attention auditorily, like hear something, take it in when the teacher's talking, you know, is that when I'm getting distracted? Mm -hmm. And so those cues are important for parents to, you know, kind of look at, especially if their child doesn't want to read. That's interesting. That brings me to the next point. Uh, There are many, many obstacles right now to get children back into classrooms. How can we as parents refocus our children and improve their processing speeds? Well, I keep telling parents, and I've had parents that have been doing the brain training all through COVID along with the uh, classes, along with the virtual classes. And those parents have kept their kids' brain health going during this time. But for those who didn't know about it or haven't had a chance or you know, summer is the perfect time to intervene. I've been telling parents that this summer is the perfect time for your children to go to brain camp. You know, they can, we can speed up their visual processing. We can, you know, impact their attention. We can get it back to where it was, give them a booster and get them back out there and get them ready for the fall. Um, It's a little tough to, you know, some schools are opening back up right now. And I think that Kids are struggling to re-engage. They're anxious. Some of them are depressed. You know, so there's a lot of things going on right now. So I haven't been advising parents to to get them into a brain lab right now while they're trying to re-engage because that's just too much. But I have been recommending that they do something this summer because summer is the perfect time to do interventions. And with everything opening up, you know, there'll be a lot more face-to-face. We're going to run our brain labs at, at uh, Stanford and Kate School and UCLA and all those different places that we run them. And we'll probably be outside running them, but we are going to be face-to-face and that's going to be fun for the kids. Which brings me to the next point. At what point should parents turn to your company, Brain Matters? Well, I think this year, even 
parents whose children haven't struggled in the past, I think some of the some parents are are going to see that a little bit of that, you know, and I think listening to their child, you know, because some some children are just saying, hey, I, I need some help. But I think come October, September, end of September, early October, students are going to know, you know, what's okay and what's not working optimally in their brain. And they're going, and, you know, so I think it's going to be important for parents to pay attention during the, the fall, the early part of the fall, um, if they haven't seen it already. If they're seeing it now, then that's why I'm saying this summer intervention will be really important. Uh, but again, especially at the elementary level, if they're not reading, if they can't, a lot of the high school kids and elementary will say, I can get work, you know, I can get the words in my head, but I can't get them onto the paper. Mm -hmm. Or they'll say, I can't read the test fast enough to get through it to even answer the questions or, you know, so things like that. There's lots of clues. And I think more than ever, it's going to be important for parents to pay attention to the brain health, the anxiety, and the depression going on right now. I think they just have to be paying attention. When I told my fan base that you were coming on my show, uh, a lot of people obviously looked you up. There was, um, I asked people to submit some questions and what have you. And I picked one out of the group because okay. a lot of them were repetitive okay. and so forth. There's one question that stood out. Okay. There has been a vocal movement to eliminate homework in the future of education. What are your thoughts on that? So I'm just going to go right back to the brain health. Okay. I'm going to go right back to brain research. Okay. What we practice is what we hardwire. It's as simple as that in the brain. What you practice is what you hardwire. So if you're practicing the things that are going to move you in the direction of your goals, then you're going to be spot on. If you're practicing the wrong things, things that are going to move you away from your goals, then, you know, you, you have to take a look at that. But homework is simply practice. And so when students are excelling in a subject area, then they may need something, uh, another level of, let me see, how can I say this? So in the brain, repetition is very important. And then as soon as they master something, then you add another level of difficulty and then that's how the brain grows and, and we grow as human beings, right? Mm -hmm. And so repetition and practice and homework are really important if they haven't mastered something. But once they master it, now they need another level of difficulty placed on that and so that they grow and it's, it's kind of like a scaffolding thing. So I don't think there's this one size fits all uh, research out there to homework, but practice and repetition, just like in coaching and coaches have known this for years, repetition is the mother of skill, right? And so when your coach had you practice daily you know those kids that really excelled they would come into the gym on Sunday and they would they would go home and they would do some practicing on their own it's no different with homework so if they're mastering it then homework is not quite as important but if it's a skill they haven't mastered like reading or writing or those kinds of things and they're still struggling in that then 
then homework is important. Repetition is the mother of skill. I have not heard that before. I'm going to commit that one to memory. I, I kind of like that one. <laughs> I, I've never heard That's that. That's actually, I really like that one, actually. Very good. Let's discuss your book, uh, Measuring Up, the go-to guide for parents and students looking for an edge in the hyper-competitive world of education. Uh, what inspired you to uh, pursue that book? parents did because they kept asking me all these different questions because it's so hard to navigate public and private education. You know, I work with private schools and public schools and parents, they can be highly skilled in their field. And then they would come to me and they'd say, Terry, I don't know how to navigate this. I don't know how to get my child tested when I want to see what their baseline is for their brain. I don't know I don't know anything about the SAT and the ACT and this college, you know, college hunting and all of these kinds of things. And so I wrote the book so that parents who are really busy trying to raise their children and usually holding down a career could go to my book and thumb through it and go, oh, okay, this is where I need to be going to get that. Or I need to make sure that I'm looking for a licensed person for this. And I need to make sure this is happening and oh okay there are opportunities for my child to grow and and raise their iq and those kinds of things so basically that's why i wrote it i wrote it so that parents could go to that book and look through it and say oh okay now now it's a little easier for me to navigate this that's awesome earlier in the week our first lady dr jill biden was at the south by southwest edu conference and remarked about how teachers have had to adapt during these historic times with, you know, of course, the pandemic. Building on that, what have you taken away from seeing the extraordinary challenges educators have had to face this past year? I tell you what, it's been amazing out here to watch the teachers be flexible and readjust and stay passionate about teaching. It's been really interesting because, I mean, they they didn't get any time to prepare. It wasn't like they had, you know, months to sit down and do lesson plans. I mean, it was a turnabout. So it's been fascinating for me to watch. I think the other thing that I really love is that there's a newfound appreciation for teachers out there, for educators, and also a newfound love of students from our educators. So I think the the face-to-face, -face, the the pat on the back from your coach, the, you know, walking around your classroom and, you know, pointing out something great that a student's doing, all of those things, you know, we've been missing it. And so now I think that everyone's coming back with this newfound appreciation for each other. And I really like that. All right. Dr. Lindsay, I end my interviews with my favorite question, and it goes like this. If the entire planet was listening to this particular broadcast, what would you like to say to the people of Earth? I would like to tell them to implement gratitude into their daily life, and it will absolutely change their life. And, and you know, of course, the last thing would just to everyone to just be kinder. I think that's important to me. Please let our fans know where they can find you online. If they go to Brain Matters with a Z, brainmatters.com, they can go up on the website and they can see everything there. Dr. Lindsay, thank you 
ever so much for coming on the show. I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm, I mean this from the heart. This has been very enlightening, and uh, it, it's just been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. You could, it was great to to chat with you, and and uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, you take care. Okay, thank you so much. Bye bye. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Episode 13 is in the books. I want to thank my brother from another mother, Money Chris, for stopping by. A huge thanks to the team over at The Last Blockbuster. And, of course, Dr. Terry Lindsay for making an appearance. And I wish them all much success in the near future. We have taped a few fantastic interviews for release soon. And we are working on one of them in particular constantly. It's with a true Hollywood legend, and believe every word I say now when I tell you it is an incredible, insightful, and we have left no stone unturned. So look for that in an upcoming episode. Hey, Derek. I've had some friends ask, how might they be able to help support The Derek Duvall Show? It's funny you say that, Mrs. Duvall. I believe they can go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, and click at the very bottom of the page the link that says, Buy Me a Coffee. The listener's support goes far to bringing quality entertainment day in and day out. Their support is greatly, greatly appreciated. On that note, and on behalf of the entire production team here at The Derek Duvall Show, remember, be well, stay safe, and get the damn vaccine. The sooner we get the shot, the sooner things can go back to some semblance of normalcy. Want to travel overseas again, right? Well, this is the first big step. Remember, folks, repetition is the mother of skill, like the good doctor says. Nosta, God bless, and see you next time, planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at... Derek Duval Show.